Welcome to Replant Boot Camp, the Boots on the Ground podcast for replanters by replanters. With your host, Bob Bickford and Jimbo Stewart, here in the trenches with you doing the gritty and glorious work of replanting dying churches. This podcast is sponsored by 180 Digital, the church website and branding partner you need to help move your church forward. Stick around to the end of the podcast for a special offer from 180 for Replant Boot Camp podcast listeners only. All right, here we are, episode two of the Replant Boot Camp podcast on Wednesday mornings. We got to launch episode one on Monday for launch week, but now we're on Wednesdays. We got uh, a special guest with us. This is one of the aspects, Bob, I'm really excited about with the podcast. I just think it's going to be a fun way to do podcasts is when somebody submits a question, if we can bring them on with us and we bring them on with us, let them go ahead and ask their question and be a part of the podcast itself. That's going to be a fun thing. But Bob, man, how are you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm excited to be on Wednesday mornings. Like you, I'm, I'm excited to have a guest with us, I think it brings a new dynamic to the mix. And that's one of the things that we really want this podcast to be listener driven. And so much of the time when I'm listening to a podcast, I would be like, man, I love what they're saying. I wish I could ask this question or I wish they could take it a particular direction. So I think one of the things that this, the the desire and the vision we have behind this is to be a podcast uh, that helps resource guys that are in the field doing this. To be able to ask the questions that you and I really, you know, if we we needed somebody in those first five years to be able to bounce something off of and ask a question. So I think it's going to be great. And man, super excited to have a guest with us today. Jesse, man, introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your ministry setting, what you're doing in the world of replanting. Yeah, guys, thanks for having me on the show. I, I really, it's a really great privilege to be here. My name is Jesse Peter. I'm from the Mountain of North Carolina and Hendersonville, North Carolina. And as far as replanting, I serve at Ebenezer Baptist Church. We have just launched a replant and residency uh, internship program. And so we are kicking that off this January, January 2020. These podcasts have really, really helped and I'm glad to be here. And uh, my, my question for you guys is, what advice would you give to a guy who is coming straight out of Bible college, maybe seminary, um, who may have no pastoral experience whatsoever, has never made a big decision, never planned a sermon series, never raised funds for anything, plans to enter into a revitalization situation. I mean, that's great. I I love that. I'll tell you, the the first thing I would say is, man, they need to be in a residency. (laughs) They need to do exactly (laughs) what they're doing with you. Uh, They they need to find somebody they can learn from, somebody in in a setting where they can learn the real world kind of stuff. Man, seminary, Bible college can only teach you so much theoretically. There's just something about hands-on experience that is so valuable. That'd be one of the first things I would say. Yeah, man, I think it's great. Uh, One of the things when, when I started our time, at, at our church, I determined it was going to be important for me to do the old-fashioned pastoral visit. And so we had a small church, about 40 people. So I tried to visit everybody in their home to knock on the door, sit on the couch, drink the tea, meet the dog have the cookies, just to get a sense of where folks were in their, their walk with Christ, but also the history of the church, what they loved about the church, what they saw the church's challenges were, what they might think about uh, in terms of how to address them. And so I think what it does is, is it really helped me when I visited somebody in their home and in their context, just to understand them and who they were. And so, man, I got to see like, you know, pictures of grandkids and cardinal baseball posters and just all sorts of things. But it really helped me understand the people that I serve and was there to pastor. So I said, man, get in the homes as quickly as you can and set those up, you know, and one of the great things is, is when you pastor a church that's in decline, most of your folks are in their 70s. Guess what? They're home during the day. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. Like you can yeah. you can carve out a couple hours here and there. And then the other thing, man, I took my wife with me because my wife is awesome. Everybody loves her. 
she's just very sweet. We visited in the homes. It was just a, a sweet time for us to get to know the congregation. When Bob and I were talking about this in your question, outside of just doing a residency, we kind of thought of framing this, what, what would you do in that first year? And the beauty is, man, you look in the New Testament, you look in the book of Acts. I mean, there weren't seminaries, there weren't Bible colleges. Every believer was a brand new believer. Every believer had, had never done any of these things before. Uh, yet we see God move in mighty ways. And you see Paul go from city to city and just kind of put men in charge and let them lead as the Holy Spirit leads. But this visiting everyone, man, I wish I would have put more emphasis on this in my first year, because ultimately the shepherd is a shepherd of sheep. He's not a strategist. He's not a organizational leader. He's not a, just a visionary. All those things are important and you need to develop those skills, but you could, you can be a horrible pastor with great leadership skills. But at the end of the day, the job is to love, feed, and protect the sheep. Man, part of that is knowing the sheep. And in that first year, you can't put too much of an emphasis on just FaceTime, just face-to-face, talking to church members, getting to know them, getting to know their stories, hearing the history of the church, hearing their testimonies, their histories. Man, that on its own will kind of guide everything else that you do. Yeah. Second, I think I would preach the gospel. And and preaching the gospel is more than just having an invitation at the end of your sermon. Yeah. Uh, preaching the gospel helps build a, a view, a lens of how we see each other, how God sees us, what he's called us to do. So when we think about the gospel story, it's God loves us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And so there's a missional aspect of the gospel that our church, the church that's needing to be revitalized or declined, has lost a little bit. And so when we preach the gospel and talk about how God loved lost people and how God loved us, it does a lot of things to reshape our hearts. And in the reshaping of our hearts, it helps us understand how we are to relate to one another, how we relate to outsiders outside the church, what, what the heart of God is. And so I think that preaching the gospel, proclaiming it clearly, defining it and declaring it are, are super important. And it's really more than just an invitation at the end of the sermon. I think most of the churches that I grew up in early, my early years, there was always an invitation, but it was always kind of tacked on at the end of the, the service. Right. And so we could be talking about, you know, you didn't see Jesus through the whole scripture. You didn't see him through the passage. You didn't hear the gospel story. And so I think I'm thankful for the movement of preaching the entire gospel and weaving that the gospel lens into all that we say and do. But I think for our older generations, they just, that's a new concept for them. It, it, helping them understand the gospel, I think is really important. Yeah, it really, it's, it's the communication of the gospel, not just in word, but in deed and leadership. Your job as a replanter is to align literally everything that happens the children's ministry, the, the outreach ministry, the, the preaching ministry, the conflict resolution, the, the leadership of the church, the, the way that everything is done. It, it's, not about, it's not about a strategy. It's not about a system. Ultimately, all those things are aiding you in figuring out how to align everything you do to the power of the gospel. One of my mentors, Rick Wheeler, said, there's almost, there's almost no problem in Baptist church life that can't be solved over breakfast at Cracker Barrel. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and really, we make things far, far more complicated than they really are. And, and we, we think, oh, I mean, I got to have cool music and I got I to gotta make things look you know, way, way more cool. And I got to have a cool coffee area and I got to do those things. And man, I'm not against man, be cool, do those things. But if that becomes the goal, if that becomes the driving thing, if you think that's, what's going to revitalize the church, you're going to get sorely hurt and frustrated because you will never be cool enough to replant a diet, a dying church. Mm -hmm. The power of the gospel 
man, when you see people's lives changed by the power of the gospel, they don't care what the carpet looks like. They don't care if you have a coffee bar or not. They care that their, their life has been radically changed by the gospel. And that doesn't just include your community. That includes the people you've got that you're pastoring. Those 20 people left that are in their 70s, many of them have not applied the gospel to every aspect and area of their life. They'll understand and affirm the, the basics of the ABCs, admit, believe, and confess. They have not carried it into, what does this mean in how I raised my kids and how I raised my grandkids and how I handle conflict and my role in this? Preaching the gospel in everything that you do is so crucial to replanting a church. Hey, another thing I think that's important in the first year is find some men to disciple. That is very key. One of the things I've figured out is that there are a lot of folks who've been discipled into church culture, but they've not been discipled into following Jesus and how that look, what it looks like and what it means for everyday life outside of the walls of the church. Jimbo, how about you? If you were able to find some guys and, and lead them in their next steps with Jesus? The moment I knew man, this church is really dead, is we had a men's Sunday school class with about 14 men in it. The lead guy who had been leading the class for years had a major health thing come up where he was going to be out for six months. And so I sat in that classroom with all those men and I said, hey, so while this man is out for six months, who could step up and lead this class for those six months? And every single one of them said no. I mean, I gave the general call and then I literally looked each one of them in the eye and I said, Bob, will you lead it? No. Jesse, will you lead it? No. So then I thought, okay, will, will somebody just lead this for me next Sunday morning to give me a little bit of time to figure out what to do? I'll have everything you need. You just have to read what I give you. No. Every one of them. No. Not even read the quarterly. They wouldn't even read the quarterly. And I thought, this is why this church is dead. <laughs> and so I, I realized, man, this is this is a discipleship issue. So I started I started meeting with some senior adult men one on one and just having coffee. I started a uh, one of the ways I did it with with a few guys. They didn't know that I was discipling them. I just said, hey, man, here's what I'd love to do. There's a diner right across the street from our church that a lot of it's it's like the hangout where all the senior adults in our community hang out on Monday morning. And so I said, here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to be there Monday morning to discuss further what we talked about in the sermon. Every Monday morning, I would go there early in the morning, get a cup of coffee, a, a special with bacon, eggs, and grits. And, and we would sit there and we would talk about football and we'd talk about whatever. And then I would always bring it back to the sermon. And I started discipling some men that way. One of the great things Clifton points out in Reclaiming Glory is the importance of discipling young men. The beauty of young men in replanting is young men, for the most part, don't care as much about you meeting all their needs. If, you'll, if you will let them know this is a challenge and we're going into battle together and I want you to be a brother in arms and I want you to do this work with me. Man, those young men have energy. They're excited. Young men love a challenge. They love something that says, man, let's go do this. And so they're less likely to whine about, man, it's not the way I want it and, and those sorts of things. And so, uh, man, I've gotten a lot of joy out of a group of young men I just started meeting with and discipling that are all, for the most part, still a part of our church and, and lead out in, in so many different areas of our church. And there was something, I think, in the older men as they saw these younger men start to step up in ways that they should have been that started to ignite something in them and give me opportunities to even disciple more senior adult men. And as, as we saw men step up and lead is when we started seeing the church really become healthier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to, it, most of the time, guys, we, we have a hard time talking about our lives and spiritual matters. We're comfortable in a classroom to listen to somebody and not talk back. 
and it's kind of a one-way thing, but that discipleship across the breakfast table or uh, at a coffee shop or something, that two-way communication is so important. One of the other things I've seen, Bob, is the importance of evaluating the condition of the church. So this is where we do get, for that young man, this is why a residency becomes so important, developing mm-hmm. some skills. Up to this point, what we've been talking about is just basic biblical pastoring. But in the in the world we live in, in the Western world we live in, in America, where the church is built the way that they are, there, there is a, a huge importance in evaluating the condition of the church, the systems, the facilities, discipleship mm-hmm. processes, record keeping, all those things. Bob, you're better at this than I am of that systems and processes and evaluating everything. When you go into a church that needs revitalization uh, or replanting, everything's broken. It seems like everything needs to be fixed, at least from my vantage point. I, I kid you not, this is kind of a, one of my funny stories. So we're, we're a view of a call Sunday. For those of you who don't know what a view of a view of a call or view on a call Sunday is, it's basically you show up with your family, you preach a sermon, and then they vote on you. So it's kind of like, you know, you're there, they're going to hear you, then they're going to vote on you. So we're like an American Idol audition of preaching. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Hopefully you don't have to sing. So we're, we roll in there. It's view of a call Sunday. It's way different than you know we experienced because we were at like a you know a multi-site large church, three thousand members. So we roll into a forty-member church, mostly over seventy. And the first song that we uh, that was sung, or one of the songs that was sung during the worship time, was "This Is the Day," the Bible school song. You know, "This Is the Day that the Lord Has Made." It didn't seem like anybody was happy that that was the day that the Lord had made. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I'm going somewhere with this. My, yeah, my wife leans over to me and she's so, she like is godly and kind and hardly ever critical. She leans over to me and says, this is going to have to change. Right? So <laughs> that's the thing is like, you have to go through the church and you have to think with outsider eyes. Because most of the time, if we've been in a, a place in our home, in our family, in a leadership arena, and this happens inside the church, the people that have been there a long time don't see the church the same way as outsiders do. You have to bring fresh eyes to a situation. And then I think you have to start making a, a private list in your journal, your prayer journal, and say, Lord, what are the things that need to change? And some of them are spiritual, some are systematic and structural, some are administrative, etc. So a couple things that that you know we needed to change right up front was just the way we did worship. It's called our liturgy, which basically is your order of service. I was standing at the front, and this, this shocked me. But I was giving some kind of directional announcements to the church, and then somebody raised their hand and just started going and, and making announcements along with me while I was making. I was like, <laughs> I've never happened before. Like, okay, that's going to have to change, right? So, because yeah. you don't know what anybody's going to announce from the floor, right? So, that's oh, at, at our church, when I got there, the music minister would make the announcements, and he would always end the announcements with, "Does anyone else have an announcement they'd like to make?" <laughs> At which point my, at that time, five-year-old son would raise his hand and say something incredibly random. The earth is a very large planet. (laughs) I went to him. I said, look, as cute as that is, let's stop asking if anyone else has announcements because there's no telling what's going to happen. That's got to change. That's hilarious. Another thing, so systemically and kind of administratively, we had all of the churches giving records and membership records on one Windows computer that sat under the desk of the secretary, and it was never backed up to any kind of backup system or cloud, right? 
administratively, I was like, well, that's going to have to change. We've got to get, you know, we've got to protect ourselves. If something that machine breaks or if somebody steals it, you know, we're, we're in trouble. So that's an example of something that needs to change. I think one of the things that replanters or revitalizers really get amped up about decor kinds of things and first impression kinds of things. And what I would say is those probably need to change, but you probably need to change them at a slower pace than you, you want them to change. Yep. This, uh, I'm not proud of this, but in our church, we had every hotel that is going out of business and we're selling their artwork. We seem to have bought that and st- stuck that somewhere in our church. Um, we even had some cross stitch stuff that were put in frames. And so over the months, I would, I would just take a few of those down and store them in one of our side closets. I was like, man, this, we just got to change the look in here. And one of our long-term church members came up to me and he goes, um, I got a question for you. Are you... Uh, are you taking down some of the pictures that are on the walls? Uh, and I was like, Oh no, here it comes. And I said, yeah. He goes, okay. Okay. I, I just wondered. And he didn't say whether he had a problem with it or was supportive of it. He just yeah. asked me the question, but we, we just had all these photos. And I was like, man, this has got to change. All of that. I, I think we have to be willing to, um, but to be make those changes, evaluate the condition of the systems, the, the record keeping the, announcements, all those things. We've got to evaluate all that and then make change at the pace that is appropriate for the congregation and appropriate to lead us forward initially. We, we can't flip the switch and everything be changed overnight sometimes. And so you got to have some patience with that. One thing's Jimbo, and that was not really good at this. And so I would, I would ask it, I think this is important in your first year, celebrate. Otherwise, you're discouraged and depressed all the time. Did you have some things that, that, how did you, did you celebrate? Did you build some things in where you just, you know, were, hey, we're thankful for this? How did Man, you? This is, this is hardwired into me. My family, we love to celebrate. And so I think that's like the one really good skill I brought in to being a replanter was, man, we, we make a big deal about things. And so I, I love doing this. We do a residency at our church, and one of the ways that we train our residents is we make them do ministry rotations. They have to serve in children's ministry and youth ministry, senior adult ministry, all all the different areas. And one of the things I require them to do is it's going to be natural for them to want to point out all the things that are still, because we're a church that's still still revitalizing, still replanting. We're five and at five years in, and we're still not there on everything. And but I make them find things to celebrate, and I want them to find. I make them give encouraging statements to the leaders of those areas, like because this is a real skill you've got to have. Because this is a long, hard, and difficult process. As the replant pastor, you've given your life to this, and so you feel called to it. There's a passion given to you by the Lord. Lord, but for your other people, man, they, they've got tough jobs and tough stuff going on at home. And it's really hard for them to then also have tough things at church. Yeah. This is a real skill that has to be developed. There's a huge value, man, to just coming in and celebrating and making a big deal. I make it a goal every Sunday to find something I can try to celebrate in person, not, not only in my sermon, but man, I try to go up to somebody and say, man, I heard about what happened last week and that you were doing this, man. That's so, it's so good to see what God's doing. I've utilized this. Brian Croft, I've altered his thing where Brian Croft talks about taking your member list and praying uh, over your entire member list every month, dividing it out. And uh, I've started practicing that. And one of the things I do with that is I also try to use that as a way to encourage. And so I don't do it every day. I, I fall short some days, but I often, I try to take that list and reach out to those members, whether that be a phone call or a text message or drop them by their house and just, man, just be encouraging. Man, I'm so, I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. And let me tell you why. Let me give you some specifics why I love mm-hmm. being your pastor. And 
Uh, it's such an honor because of the way that you do this or these things going on. You've got to find things to celebrate, things to be happy about. And it's a lot easier if one of the other things we, we pointed out, Bob, is, is, is don't take yourself so seriously. And you can, you can celebrate if you'll just not take yourself so seriously. Yes. This is hard work, but man, you, you cannot take yourself too seriously. Yeah, have you um, have you guys ever had the experience where you you know you worked uh, really hard on a sermon and maybe you've got an illustration and maybe you're you know you're trying to to bring it down to a point and either you're trying to be funny or you're trying to be serious and it just it like just falls apart and you're like it's just awful right yeah and um, so you you're you feel like oh well the whole sermon is now lost based on that and then the whole Sunday is now lost based on that and the whole replant is lost now based on that one of the things that the challenge specifically for us in replanting and revitalization is everything feels urgent and everything feels like it is absolutely make or break. Yeah. The reality is, hey, that church has been in decline for 40 years. Yeah. A couple of bad Sundays with, with a mic that doesn't work or a hum in the sound system or the tech guy messes up the PowerPoint or the check-in system didn't work or you know something happened is not going to is not going to destroy the work of God in your church. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're a bad leader. Right. Uh, so I think there are a lot of times when we place the pressure on ourselves that we just are so stinking serious. All right. So one of the, the challenges in replanting is uh, you can feel really alone. There's an isolation to it, especially uh, I think of folks that are, uh, you know, just they don't have strong associations. They don't have local pastors around them who can be there and be supportive. So it's very critical to find friends and specifically friends that are encouraging to you. Yeah. So Jimbo, how have you found some friends uh, in yeah. your reproducing journey? I'm blessed to be a part of a really great association that provides a lot of opportunities for me to develop relationships with other pastors. I don't think I would have survived to this point without some really great relationships with other pastors, brothers in arms, and other friends that are just really encouraging, good friends, even, even from afar. I would make this a high, high priority before things start getting really difficult. Because when things start getting really difficult, we have a sinful nature that tends to isolate. Uh, it's what Adam and Eve did, right? When, when they sinned, they, they put the fig leaves on, they hid in the bushes to get away. Uh, and we have this sinful tendency when when we start to get down to kind of just isolate ourselves because it's relationships that hurt us. I mean, you have to have strong relationships with some people that are going to constantly be encouraging you, constantly keep you going, because there will be no shortage of discouragement. At some point, you will get just lots and lots of discouragement. And you're going to need somebody in that corner, some voice, somebody speaking the word of God to you in a way that keeps you moving in the way that God has called you to move. Because you're not going to get through replanting a dying church without some serious discouragement. And you're not going to be able to get out of that discouragement alone. You're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need your own spiritual vitality. You're going to need a strong marriage, but you're going to need friends. And man, if you can get friends that are pastors that aren't in competition with you, that recognize we're on the same team and they love you and they care about you. I'm going to tell you, when I was ready to quit, it was it was lunch meetings with those guys that kept me from quitting. And mm -hmm. so, I, man, that would be so important. Jesse, did we answer what you wanted to hear? Is there anything else you, you'd need in follow-up to what we've said? No, absolutely. You guys did a great job. You know, the reality is with so many Southern Baptist churches in plateau or decline, there's an 80% chance these guys are going to go into a church like that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Podcasts like these, residency programs, conferences that NAM hosts, all, all of these things are immeasurable to, to these guys. And so thank you so much for your help. And I'm, I'm grateful for 
for your answer. Awesome. Bob, Bob would you be willing to voice a prayer over Jesse yeah. and his ministry and, and, and what he's doing? Absolutely. Father, we, we're thankful for Jesse and uh, Ebenezer Baptist Church and, and just their partnership for raising up replanters and revitalizers. I pray you give Jesse and his team great grace and wisdom. I pray that you draw the right men to the residency program. We pray that, that you would just send out guys who will proclaim the gospel in a powerful way to revitalize and replant churches across that region and around North America. So we're, we're thankful for this brother and ask that you bless him today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And we're so glad to have you with us, Jesse. Man, just like you, we'd love for others to send their questions in so we can let them be a part of the podcast just like this. We'll be on every Wednesday morning. Send us your questions. We always want to thank our sponsor, 180 Digital. Does your church need a new website or a logo? 180 is the ministry partner you need to help move your church forward. They've been working with churches and businesses for over 10 years. They have solutions for churches, both big and small. They also offer support options to help you run your website. Go to 180digital.com to learn more. And they've got a special offer just for you, Replant bootcamp listeners. Let them know that you're a listener and you'll get 20% off any website or branding project. All right. Have a great day. See you guys next Wednesday.